Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast, The Road to Wellbeing. My name is Dr. Marjorie Kinney. I'm a clinical psychologist. I live in Germany, in Tübingen, Germany, a lovely, beautiful little city. And this podcast is about how to improve your own mental well-being during times of corona or really any time in your life through activities that you can do or exercises, activities that you can do on your own. So these are all things that aren't too complicated, do not involve (laughs) uh, doctoral degrees and psychoanalytics or anything else. It's just activities you can do on your own without the assistance of a therapist or a counselor and should be pretty doable for everybody. So a few podcasts ago, I talked about appreciating the small things in life and how that's really important. And my small thing this morning was a visit of a kitten. Actually, with this whole corona thing, I've been pretty okay until this past week when I really started to go a little bonkers. So I actually do have to go to work, but not as... I'm still not my old schedule, so I usually, I was before Corona going to work three times a, or three days a week, and this past week I only went one day a week, and, you know, the walls of my own apartment are starting to drive me crazy. So I woke up, was kind of on the wrong side of the bed, and wasn't doing a very good job about catching myself and catching my mood. And then... I was in the kitchen, and this little kitten, actually a medium-sized kitten, walked up, was looking at me very curiously through the window, and I opened the back door, and (laughs) we had a good conversation, and she explored the whole apartment, and was really curious, and it was really a nice little visit, and actually, it was a great, a great start to the day, and that was just a little something that made me happy that'll definitely go into my positivity journal. This evening, I am in my living room again. That's usually where I record these, either looking out at the front of the house and watching people walk by, or today I'm looking out in the garden, sitting in my old comfy black leather sitting chair. So if you hear any squeaks in the background, that's the chair. There you go, proof that I'm actually at home. (laughs) I'll put you guys in pause and come back. Well, I was about to tell you guys that today I'm actually not recording this in my pajamas, which is a good thing because I just had to go get the post from the delivery guy. I did a rare and glorious thing and actually went on a run this morning, which is, uh, I don't know, I've been getting back into running since the corona thing started, Um, but definitely not my strong point. Definitely... Also, <laughs> I was kind of have to laugh at my own running outfits because I recently moved, so uh, I don't really, well, one, I'm, I don't have, like, any fancy running clothes. I have zero whatever Luna Mana or whatever that stuff is, and I don't know, I just go running and whatever old stuff happens to be around, and right now the old stuff that got unpacked is a couple sizes too big, so I'm either going running in a pair of shorts, which I have to roll over a couple of times at the waistline like you do for little kids. I wear old t-shirts. Anyways, I don't have like any of the elegant runner's body, so I have pretty short legs, and I run really, really slowly. 
My my son calls it schlogging instead of jagging. It makes fun of me because I run so slowly. Thank you, honey. I love you too. Thanks for the support. And yeah, so if you're around the area of tubing in Germany sometime and you see a woman jogging barely fast as you can walk on a good day and she's got a flabby butt and really old jogging clothes on, then you can stop and say hi to me and tell me what you want me to do my next podcast episode about. And my runs, it's always like the the same same pattern. So I get up and I always have to plan the next day. It always has to, like, my, my, my prep talk has to start, like, 24 hours in advance. It's like, the, the day before, yes, I'm going to go on a run tomorrow. And then I wake up, and then I have to have my couple cups of coffee. And then it takes me forever to, like, get my shoes on and finally get my, my ass out the door. And then I always start out feeling like, yeah, good for you. You made it. You're out the door. You're, 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 you're actually jogging. And then, I don't know, about 10 minutes into it, I start to feel like crap. And I'm like, ah, jeez, why do you do this? I'm so tired. And then at some point, I hit, like, that golden phase where everything's easy. And I'm running. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you're doing such a great job. You're unbelievable. And then I hit the, I can't do it anymore phase. I really feel like uh, I'm just going to walk home. This is so hard. I'm so tired and my legs hurt and my feet hurt. And then when I turn around that like last stretch and I can see the house and suddenly I'm full of energy again. God, this is like, that's a totally easy run today. And get to the front door and always think, ah, man, you, you should just go for another mile. So much energy left. My gosh. It's like, it's always the same pattern. All my runs, the same thing over and over again. But, but the reason I told you guys that really long, boring story was because it's a really good example of how words, how our thoughts and what we're thinking have so much power over us. So if I see, right as soon as I see the house and I know that the, the drag is about, my run is about to end, then I'm suddenly, my whole body's full with energy again. I'm, I'm almost at the finish line. I can do it. I'm fine. It's there. And suddenly my body reacts, right? The pain seems to go away. I have um, enough fuel left to jog that last half mile. But the same thing is true on the other side of the coin, where if I'm talking myself down and I'm telling myself, Oh, you're so tired. There's still you have so far to go. Oh, and you feel this pain. You feel that pain, and that is also true at that moment. I do feel tired, and I do feel like I'm out of energy, and I am suddenly aware of how my running shoes might be, you know, rubbing on that one part of my toe, or my calves are burning. And this is um, something that all professional athletes know. So a lot of Sports psychologists work with the power of words and the power of mind, basically. And it comes back to that old adage of if you think you can, then you can. If you think you can't, then you can't. This is, of course, not only applicable to athletes, but also to pretty much everything in life. But also something we know from clinical psychology is these negative 
thought cycles, these vicious cycles that a lot of people get into of talking themselves down, of not letting go of old traumas, of old stories, and lists, going through lists of complaints in their minds, frequently about other people or external, trying to blame external factors for your, your problems. Well, my boss did this, or, um, well, if it weren't for the rainy weather, or he said this and did that. But a lot of this talk comes from our own internal blaming and our internal explanations for circumstances and situations, and also what I call our own stories. And these stories are things we believe about ourselves. Um, they can be things like, I'm not good with dealing, I'm not good at dealing with stress, or I'm unattractive, no one will ever love me, or I'm always messing things up, I'm such a fuck up, I, that's just how I am. I just can't help my eating, smoking, drinking habits, uh, habits of always running late, I can't help it. Uh, I'm not good enough. Not smart enough. I've I've never been good with money, so there's no point in, in trying to change any sentences like this. And these stories, for example, I can always recognize in my clients. If they'll say something like that, I've 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 never been good at making friends anyway. And then I'll question the statement, say something like, Oh well well, have you ever tried? And if the first response I hear from a client is, no, but, or yeah, but, or mm, no, cause, then I know it's their story. Because we are constantly defending our stories. Uh, we're def- we defend them for ourselves. We defend them to- against other people when, when they question it. Since it's so hard for our mind and so disturbing to try and believe something that's incongruent with what we believe about ourselves, that's when we start to hear things like, yeah, but, because we don't, we won't even let any contradictory information or thoughts or ideas into our mind that might question our stories. The problem is with our stories, of course, is one, um, if your story and all of our stories include some negative aspects, but If your beliefs about yourself, if your story is really negative, then this is going to affect pretty much everything in your whole life. It'll affect what consciously, by the way, and unconsciously, mostly unconsciously. It'll affect what, what career path you choose. It'll affect your relationships with yourself and with other people. And the hardest thing to grasp about this concept of stories about yourself is that they are, in fact, just stories. They are not the reflection of the truth. They are not you. But they do define the way you live your life and the way you interact with yourself and other people. But you can change these stories. So where, where, do, they, where do they come from? So our deepest beliefs about ourselves come from our very early childhood. Some thoughts you have about yourself, you might remember people telling you. So, example, some people's stories are, well, you were never the smart one in the family. You were always the athletic one. Or 
if you're not pretty enough, no one will ever marry you. Why can't you be more like your sister? She's she's always been so good in school. Any any of these things that you remember being told as a child, those get absorbed into your story. Just as a little warning for adult for our parents right now, you're doing the same thing to your children, right? So if you're telling them, "Oh, you're the athletic one," You're the smart one. You're the artistic one. These are stories that they're going to cling to, whether they're good or bad, or maybe they're just not right. Maybe your artistic child actually is extremely athletic, but you've put them in that drawer already of being the artistic child in the family, and they're not going to challenge that belief because that would be too upsetting for for the ego to challenge an idea or or something that our parents are, are telling us is the truth. A lot of our stories and our deepest beliefs about ourselves come from a time before we're even conscience, conscious or have memories. So that would be before the age of approximately three. In some research that I was really into or am really into is um, how we affect resiliency in children and in babies in particular. So <laughs> it's really fascinating these methods, there's a lot of new research on the method of crying it out, and I'm really deeply, passionately against the method of crying it out. Because now, after many years of research, we can tell, we can see the evidence that babies whose parents go to them every time, or as much as they can, when they're crying in the first year of life, one, they start to cry less, much more quickly in their lifetime than other babies. And two, they're way more resilient as children and as adults. That means they're more able to ask for help when they need it. They bounce back from negative experiences more quickly. They have they enjoy more mental health and physical health. They're better at making friends. They're better at school. They have more successful careers. They report having happier long-term relationships. And all of this from parents who chose to be sensitive and go to their their newborns, their under one-year-olds, as much as they could when they were crying. How do we interpret that? Well, one interpretation is to say those babies learned really quickly that when they're crying, when they're asking for help in the only way that they can, that someone comes and helps them, that they are worthy of love, that their needs are important. And babies whose parents choose to let them cry, well, they're learning the other, the other, the opposite, right? They're learning, I'm asking for help, but I don't get it. I'm not worthy of someone coming and helping me when I'm in need or I'm not deserving of love. And these are deep-seated beliefs that go on with people for the rest of their lives that were obtained before they were even one one year old. Some of our deep-seated beliefs, some of our story, uh, elements of our story, we may know where they come from. We may remember being told one thing or another as a child, and some of it we might not know the source of. When we set about changing our stories, when we want things to, when we say, okay, I don't, I don't want to believe this anymore, it can help if you know where this part of your story came from. But if you don't, that's also okay. So to give you guys a personal example, so to to make this more concrete, 
think probably my own biggest demon throughout my, gosh, I think, I think I remember starting to have problems maybe in fifth grade, maybe fourth grade, has really been really, really low self-confidence. I mean, I, I've had problems with low self-confidence in um, my ability in sports, in the way I look, for sure, uh, and just not being good enough, not being a good enough friend, not being a good enough partner, romantic relationships. And the biggest area has probably been intelligence for me, right? I was constantly telling myself, believing the story that, well, you're just never, you're not smart enough, you're never going to be good enough to do this job. And and these, this lack of self-confidence has been really debilitating at times in my life. I know it's gotten in the way of um, relationships. I know that I've had struggle in my career where I just thought, oh, I, I can't can't try and um, go that path or that career path or try and do that. You're just not you're not gonna make it anyway. You're not good enough or not having enough confidence to stand up to myself when I thought that I should have because uh, well, you know, they're just gonna think you're stupid if you say something like that. I, I found myself in in the same, telling myself the same story again the other day where I've been, I, I work part-time in uh, private practice and I really like my job, but I, I can't, I cannot stay my boss. So I've been applying for new jobs and I went in for this interview last week and I just thought the interview went so well and it's a center I would just die to work for, just my, you know, this... <laughs> your dream job and then I got a rejection email the very first thing I did was fall into my old story of well you you're underqualified for the job anyway you're you're just so stupid you're you're never gonna get a new job you you know you're you never you've never been good enough anyway and why do you even bother and this is this was myself letting these beliefs, these really deep beliefs, talk myself down. And we see that a lot in people with anxiety or with depression. Whereas if you're telling yourself this story, this is the story that you're going to start to live out. Or maybe you're already living it out. If you tell yourself you're not good enough, then you might not be, or in this case for me, I might start give, giving up and not applying for the jobs that I really want because I'll, I keep telling myself, well, you're, you're not going to get it anyway. You're too dumb. You're not going to make it. And you can see right where this is going. It's very, very dangerous to believe in stories that are bringing you down or that aren't letting you live to your full potential. So how how did I stop myself? How do we get out of these stories? How do we change our stories? These, the method of changing the stories comes from something called NLP, which is neuro-linguistic programming, where we, or actually um, in cognitive psychology, we would use this a lot too, where we're working with our thoughts. So we're changing our thought, we're catching our thought patterns, we're learning to recognize the ones that aren't useful for us, that are harming, that we're harming ourselves with, and stopping the pattern and changing it into something better. So we're actually changing these deeply written programs within our brain, and thereby making enormous 
changes in our life. So this method I'm about to teach you guys is hugely effective in any area you want to apply it to. You want to stop smoking? You can use this. You want to have more self-confidence about the way you look, about the way you feel? Do you want to be better in your relationships? Do you feel like you want to be a better athlete or any anything where you can find yourself talking yourself down or believing in something that you don't want to believe in anymore, you can use this method to change the way you think, the way you feel about yourself, and thereby who you are. You are changing your story, you are changing yourself, and you're becoming the person that you want to be. Or maybe even deep down inside of you, you know that that's who you are. You just you can't get over that hurdle of someone telling you six times when you were five years old that you're you're never you're not good enough. The first step is to recognize when you're having negative thoughts about yourself or when you're doing these yeah but thoughts. So be conscious, be mindful, and when you catch yourself thinking Ah, you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not good with money. You can't stop eating anyway, so might as well not even feel bad about it and just finish the whole pizza. Any any of these thoughts, anything that's not working for you, where you catch yourself talking yourself down. Oh, man, you screwed up again today. Nothing new. You're such a screw-up anyway. The moment you realize you're having that thought, stop. Just stop and take note of the thought. What were the words that you were saying to yourself? The second step, after you've recognized you're having this thought, you're telling yourself the story, distance yourself from the words. Just because you think something doesn't mean you need to own that thought. Many of our thoughts are incorrect. We've all been there when we're really tired at night and you have these really weird thoughts and you can laugh about it and be like, oh, where did that come from? So you distance yourself from it. You can even look at it with curiosity. Hmm, I wonder why I just had that thought. What triggered it? Let's take a few steps back. How many times have I thought this today? Is this a new thought? Is this something I tell myself a lot? It's like looking at the the clouds passing by on the sky, right? You're standing there and the clouds are gently going past your window or you're watching them fly by. And let your thoughts be like one of those clouds. Take a step back, look at it, watch what it's doing, be observant, and then let it go. And then the third step is, now you need to replace that negative thought with something positive. What is it that you want to believe about yourself? What is it that you want others to believe about you? How is it that you want to behave instead of this old behavior that's annoying you? And make it realistic. So if, you're, if your goal is, say, to make more friends, you wouldn't tell yourself, today I'm going to make 15 new friends. That's just not realistic. But you can tell yourself something like people like you and you have really good skill set with people. So to make all of this more concrete, we can take the example of my rejection email. I got an email 
It is neither good nor bad. It was simply an email. It was words on a computer screen telling me that I did not get a job. My first reaction was, you were never going to get this job. You never had a chance. You're not good enough, and you're never going to get a new job. That is a story that I was telling myself about myself because I had believed it for so long. The first thing I did was recognize that I was having these thoughts. Oh, you just had thoughts about not being good enough, about not deserving to have a job that you'd really like to have. Second step, I distanced myself from it. Huh, where did that come from? You were actually having a really good day until now. Why are you letting yourself get so down? When was the last time I had these thoughts? Hmm, interesting. Am I really going to let these thoughts enter into into my consciousness? Mm -hmm. Do I want them? Are they really true? Are there any bits of counter evidence, perhaps? Uh, Actually, I've had a lot of jobs that I really liked. I'm a good worker. I'm a passionate worker. And there I'm already moving on to step three. Where is it that I want to be right now? What is it that I want to think about myself, that I need to think about myself? How am I rewriting this chapter of my story right now? And then I might, excuse me, say things like, I'm an intelligent person. I'm a good worker. I love looking for and starting new projects. I've been very good at many different jobs, and each application I send, the more likely I am to find a job that I really love. I am good enough. I will get a new job soon. And I say these things to myself over and over and over again. Maybe there's one sentence that really fits for me. I am good enough. I am good enough. I am good enough. And for me, this would be then that one sentence that I'd maybe write down on the refrigerator, maybe write it in lipstick and the mirror in your bathroom. One sentence, I I could even write a little card and put it in my, my wallet where I'm saying that to myself to rewrite this part of my story, to rewrite this misinformation that was planted in my brain by who knows what or when, but that doesn't matter. It is up to me now to rewrite this belief. I am good enough. I am good enough. And that's exactly what I did, and pretty soon I had enough energy to sit back down at the old computer and look at the job ads again and send in another application. But if I had let myself believe all that shit I was telling myself, then I probably wouldn't have had the self-confidence to go back and turn in the next application, the next one. And I'm sure I'll be sending in applications for a while. That's okay. Because I know I am good enough. And I will get that (laughs) dream job someday. So recognize when you're having a negative thought about yourself doesn't matter what it is. Any thought you want to stop. Distance yourself from the thought. Disown it. Watch with curiosity. Observe it as it floats by like a cloud in the sky and then let it go. And finally, 
come up with a new belief, a new story about yourself that will replace this negative thought that you're letting go. So how long does it take to actually form these new thought habits to upgrade your programming, to rewrite your brain? And old research told us anywhere between 8 and 21 days, but the newest research in uh, behavioral sciences and NLP and all the other areas that look into this say it's more like 30 days. So once you catch yourself having a thought you want to change or you want to change part of your story, take 30 days and just stick with this one for a while. Take the 30 days. Say every time you catch yourself having the, the same old thought, then you replace it immediately with your new and positive thought that you, that you have chosen for yourself. You might catch yourself thinking this negative thought or believing your negative story 20 times a day. And so you'll have to unpack that positive sentence 20 times a day. Maybe it's not as often for you. Maybe it's even more. It doesn't matter. Stick with it for 30 days and start to notice as this negative thought, as the bad stories about yourself become less and less frequent in your mind. They'll pop up less and less. And your positive sentence will start to seep in. It'll sink into your consciousness and then your unconsciousness. And then you will become, you will be whatever it is that your new story is telling you that you are. And that'll start to affect the way you interact with other people. And other people will start to notice. It'll affect the choices you make each day. It'll affect pretty much all aspects of your life. Once the 30 days have passed, maybe there's a different story that needs to be rewritten, a different chapter that needs to be improved. I do have a, a little note, a little reminder, and that is when we make these kind of changes in our belief system, it might be accompanied with some feelings of mourning or struggle. I know in my case that this kind of deep-seated, really all-encompassing change to myself has also brought me the awareness that, oh man, you know, a lot of the things that I, choices I regret or things that have happened to me in the past have all been due to just not having enough self-confidence. And that can be um, upsetting to, when you realize that, really, all of that happened and it's because of my own false beliefs about myself. Like, what a tragedy. But that's okay. Deep change also means giving something up. So that's one of my beliefs when I work with private clients, when I work with people, and I say, if you really want to change yourself, you need to be willing to let go of something as well. And you might find yourself feeling some of that while you go through these amazing spectacular changes in the next couple of weeks and that's okay that's part of the process and it's not a bad thing it's just part of what we have to go through when we want to change for the better and permanently all right i wish you the greatest of success in your journey in your path and on your road to well-being write me emails write me messages comments on how this has affected your life, as well as any comments or questions you may have, and of course, any topics that you would like me to talk about in the future. Be well. 
be gracious. You'll hear from me again soon. Bye.